Amen. Thank you, choir. Well, it's good to be here today. You love Jesus, don't you? Do you love Jesus? Amen. Amen. We're glad you're with us today. All right. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to uh, Numbers chapter 11 today. Numbers chapter 11. And I want to ask you a question. And the question is this. Have you ever lost your appetite for something that you once craved? You lost your appetite for something that you once craved. I, I love chili. I love all kinds of food, but I love chili. But there was a time in my life where I actually lost my appetite for chili. And here's what happened. It was about 15 years ago. I was the youth pastor here at Glad Tidings, and we took all of the students on what's called a hay rack ride. We went to this farm, and uh, we had the barn all set up, and uh, we had the barnyard all, we had all kinds of outdoor activities. Uh, we did the tug-of-war over the mud pit. That was a lot of fun. And uh, in the barn, we had all the food set up, and we had chili, and we had hot dogs, and uh, we were just, just having a blast. And uh, what happened was, is uh, after the party was over, we all went home that night. In the middle of the night, my wife and I got up and we were deathly ill. Uh, we had gotten food poisoning. We knew it was different than anything we'd ever had before. And that morning, we started getting all these phone calls. This was before text and Twitter and all that fun stuff. We got all these phone calls about these kids that were sick. And there were about 30, 40 of us that had gotten sick from eating this chili at this hay rack ride. And uh, I won't go into the details of, of why, but um, the fact of the matter is, is uh, I think about 30 or 40 of us lost our appetite for chili. <laughs> and the good news is I was able to get that appetite back. But um, sometimes what happens is, is we lose our appetite for God. Something happens in our life and um, the God that we used to hunger, the God we used to crave for, we lose our appetite for. And this very thing happened to the Israelites, and we're going to read about it here in Numbers chapter 11. But let me give you just a little bit of a background. We know that God had delivered his people from Egypt. Uh, they were called the Israelites. He had delivered them and he brought them into the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. And while they were in the wilderness, the Bible says that God provided for them every day. And he provided something called manna. And what would happen is, is each morning there was a layer of dew, the Bible says, all around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost, thin flakes like frost appeared all over the desert floor. Thin Flakes like frost. I thought, ah, that's where frosted flakes came from. <laughs> the Bible says that these flakes were sweet, tasted sweet like honey. I said, oh, okay. God was the first who came up with this idea of frosted flakes. And they're great, right? <laughs> you remember the old jingle? Well, the Israelites started eating these frosted flakes every day, day after day, year after year, and something happened. They weren't so great anymore. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says, The rabble, 
or the disorderly mob that was with them, the Israelites, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and they said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Now I've got your mind on food. I'm hungry now too, aren't you? Verse 6, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Jump down to verse number 10. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. And watch this. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. We're going to stop there for now. Very interesting here. Now, they, they've lost their appetite for manna and God gets upset. When I was a kid, my mom would make Brussels sprouts. And when I was a kid, I didn't like Brussels sprouts, but I didn't tell my mom that. In fact, she asked me one day, do you like these? And I said, yeah, yeah, these are good. And so my mom thought Brussels sprouts were my favorite. That's trouble right there, isn't it? With a capital T. And so she would make Brussels sprouts as often. I made your favorite today, Brussels sprouts. And I would just smile because I didn't have I didn't have the nerve to tell my mom that I had lost my appetite for Brussels sprouts. I didn't want to make her exceedingly angry. (laughs) And that day that God got exceedingly angry. And the reason was is because his people had lost their appetite for manna. And you say, well, what's the big deal? It was just bread. They lost their appetite for bread. But manna was a prophetic picture of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ was concealed. He was covered. But in the New Testament, Jesus Christ was revealed. And in the New Testament, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And so when these Israelites rejected the bread, lost their appetite for bread, they had really lost their appetite for God. In fact, later on in verse 20, um, the Bible said, God says this, you have rejected me. You have rejected me. You have rejected Jesus, the bread that came down from heaven. I want to talk to you this morning about a lost appetite for God. A lost appetite for God. What the symptoms are, what the consequences are, and how do you get that appetite for God back? Verse 6 again says, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this. I want you to put the word Jesus in the place of manna. Because Jesus is the manna. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We're talking about that bread from heaven. Give us this day a daily revelation of who Jesus is. A lost appetite is a big deal to God. And the reason why it's a big deal to God is because God created within every man, woman, and child... An appetite for him. He created us to hunger and thirst after him more than anything else in this world. And sin messed that whole thing up. How many of you say amen? But God created us in Genesis with this appetite, this hunger to be with God, to to long after God. And so when we lose that appetite, it's concerning to God because God's desire is that each one of us be full of him or filled with him. And not just filled with him, but he wants us to be overflowing with him. 
Because it's only when we're overflowing with God that others can taste and see that God is good. See, God doesn't fill us so we can feel full. God fills us so we can be overfilling, over, uh, overflowing so that others can see. So that others can taste and see. How many of you know we're the salt, right? We make people thirsty. Right. I want my life to make people thirsty and my life to make people hungry after God. So this idea of of lost appetites, a big deal to God. It's a big deal. Here are some of the symptoms of a lost appetite. The first symptom is we start to crave other food. We're not talking about physical food, but we're, we're, we start to crave other things and other relationships uh, we get bored, we get discontent, and our craving after Jesus is, is not what it used to be. We begin to wonder if there's more. We start craving other things and other relationships. And that's exactly what happened with these Israelites. It says they began to crave other food. The manna wasn't enough for them. We sang the song, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough. Manna is enough for me. And that day they were saying, you know what? Manna is not enough for me. So the first symptom of a lost appetite is we begin to crave for other things more than we crave for God. The second symptom of a lost appetite is we start to grumble and complain. Now I know there's no grumblers here today, you know. Listen, when you start noticing yourself, you're complaining, you're grumbling, right? You're criticizing, you're no longer that encourager that you used to be. You're no longer that Barnabas. You're no longer grateful and thankful. Now you're grumbling and complaining about everything. What's happened? You've lost your appetite for Jesus. They said, we never see anything but this manna. They said, if only we had meat to eat. And sometimes we become like them. We become members of the we never see. And if only we. We never see. And if only we had this. And if only we had that. We become that kind of people. Right? How many of you don't want to become that? We start to grumble and complain. We begin to see everything is not good enough. It's not fulfilling enough. It's not sexy enough. It's not salty enough. I have a friend who used to work for Frito-Lay and he told me, he said, did you know that Frito-Lay potato chips have gotten more salty over the years? I said, why that? Why would they do that? He said, because what's happened is, is people's, their, their taste buds, they, they kind of, they kind of um, get to a point where they acclimate to a certain and then they desire more. And then they acclimate and they desire more. And so over the years, Lay's potato chips have gotten more salty, more salty, more salty over the years. And the nacho cheese Doritos, how many of you know they're getting cheesier? They're getting cheesier all the time. And what, why can't we just be happy with the original Lay's? And why can't we be happy with the original Doritos? Now we have to have sizzling picante Doritos. And, and here, now they even have third degree burn Doritos. Right? Because it's never enough. We've got to have the new thing, something more exciting, more salty, right? We've got to have the new outfit. 
The ladies are quiet. <laughs> Guys, we got to have that new fishing rod. It's fishing seat. Got to have the new car, right? We've, we've owned that old car for three years. It's dirty. We got to trade it in. <laughs> I'm having fun. I hope you are too. Sometimes we want to trade in church for a new church. You know, at that church is, you know, it just, it just seems to kind of, mm, you know. And I think sometimes we want a new Jesus. You know, the old Jesus, mm, I don't know. It's just, uh, we want a new Jesus. You know, entertainment is huge business in America. And I'll tell you why. People are bored. And I think entertainment is becoming big business in the church, too, for the same reason. People are getting bored. We never see anything but this manna. Getting bored with Christianity. You know what happens when you get bored with Christ? You start creating fads. The church comes up with these fads. I might step on a few toes here this morning, but the laughing revival was not a revival. It was a fad because people got bored with Jesus and they wanted something exciting and new and salty. That's what it is. You don't see that kind of fruit of the spirit or gift of the spirit or manifestation of the spirit in the Bible. People didn't break out in laughter. They broke out in tongues. You won't find that pattern of holy laughter in scripture. I'm sorry. It's not there. It's a fad. Why? People are getting bored. They're getting bored. They start grumbling and complaining, looking for something new. Let me tell you about revival for a moment. You know what the kind of revival God is seeking and the kind of revival we're praying for at Glad Tidings? It's the kind we find in the Bible where there's true conviction of sin, repentance of sin, worship of Jesus, and evangelization of the world. That's revival that we're believing God for. The revival fad that I mentioned earlier, they get started because we get bored. But I have to ask the question this morning, when did Jesus become so boring? Is the Jesus of the Bible a boring Jesus? Shouldn't we be the most content and full and fulfilled people on the face of the planet? In John chapter 6, verse 35 Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am all that you need. You see, in Western culture where we live today, bread is not a necessity. But back then in that Eastern culture, back in that day, bread was the basic necessity of life. You could not survive without bread. Jesus said, you cannot survive without me. I am the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. Amen. That title, I am, is the first of seven I am statements that Jesus gave in the gospel of John that you will not find in any of the other gospels. He is declaring right there in this text, I am, I am God. The first time we heard this I am statement coming from God is way back in Exodus when Moses, uh, when God visited Moses and said, I want you to go and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses said, well, who do I tell the Israelites? Who do I tell them sent me? And God said, tell them I am sent you. I am is Jehovah. 
Tell him Jehovah. Tell him I am sent you. I am the all sufficient one. I am the first and the last. I am the one who who is and who was and who is to come. I am God. I am the bread of life. I am your very life. Jesus said in John six thirty five. Whoever comes to me. Whoever comes to me will never, never, in the Greek it's the emphatic never, like never ever go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never ever be thirsty. Good stuff. It's the Bible. If this verse is true, could it be that all we need to do is come to Jesus? Pastor, that's pretty simple. I'm glad it is. I'm a pretty simple dude myself. Well, I came to Jesus 20 years ago. I'm not talking about that coming to Jesus. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about now. I'm talking about coming to Jesus every morning, every day, Monday morning, Tuesday morning. This everyday kind of Jesus, this give us this day. Our daily Jesus, our daily manna. Our daily bread. Maybe instead of looking for something new and exciting, maybe we need to look for the old to become new every morning. What if every morning you woke up and instead of singing, all we see is this manna, we start singing, Jesus be the center of it all. Do you think Jesus would satisfy us? If you believe that verse is true, If you believe it's true when Jesus said, come to me and you will, you'll never hunger again. Drink of me, you'll never thirst. If we believe it's true, it would really happen. I believe that. I think we've lost our faith in John chapter 635. So the first symptom of a lost appetite is we begin to crave other food. The second symptom is we start grumbling and complaining and looking for something other than Jesus. The third symptom of a lost appetite is we start look we start looking back to Egypt instead of looking forward to the promised land. We start looking back to Egypt. They said, "Remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost." Sometimes I think we, we, we look back to Egypt, we remember the good old days or, or come to think of it, the, the bad old days weren't so bad after all. So we start listening to some old music that we used to listen to or we look up old friends on Facebook that we used to party with or we drive by that old bar and we think, boy, I sure could, use, sure could use a drink. I wonder if so-and-so still works there. Or, man, if I could just have a taste of a cigarette, I just have a craving for a cigarette right now. Or we get sloppy with the Internet. We're going to sites we shouldn't go to that we used to go to. We want to go back to Egypt. When you start desiring to go back to Egypt, that's a clear symptom of a lost appetite for Jesus. You know, I grew up a country boy. I grew up listening to country music. Don't judge me. And when I lose my appetite for Jesus, I find myself tuning into country music station. Now, is all country music from the pit of hell? <laughs> We've got some country music fans here. All right, I'll, put, I'll wear my boots and my cowboy hat next week. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think all country music comes from hell. But we have to ask the question, is it bread from heaven? Because I don't want meat. I want bread from heaven. And does those, 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 the, does the old music that we listen to, does it stir up longings for Jesus or does it stir up longings for something else or someone else? Shortly after Israel had been delivered from 400 years of slavery. Can you imagine 400 years of slavery? Wouldn't you be relieved to be free from slavery after 400 years? Woo! Man, I'd never want to go back there, right? Well, shortly after they were delivered, they're on their way through the world, through the, towards the promised land. And they look behind and their slave masters are chasing them. Pharaoh and all these chariots come chasing them. And now they are cornered at the Red Sea. They can't go ahead because of the sea. They can't go back because here come, here come their slave masters. And this is what they said to Moses. They said to Moses, was it better? Was it because, excuse me, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? It would have been better, they said, for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Isn't it true that there's a comfort and there's a security that comes with slavery? Some are more content to live in their prison where they get three free meals a day. Sometimes we don't know what to do with our freedom. Sometimes we don't know what to do when we're in that desert and God seems far away and we're like, you know what? Egypt wasn't so bad. The fish was great and we didn't even have to pay for it. It came at no cost. But how many of you know that fish costs them everything? It costs them their ability to worship God freely. Because when Moses showed up and he went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go so they may worship me. So going back to Egypt will cost you your worship of God. But we get into this place where we rationalize that Egypt wasn't so bad. We start thinking about going back instead of going forward. And that's a sure sign that we have lost our appetite for Jesus. The fourth symptom of a lost appetite is we start criticizing and craving authority. We start criticizing and craving authority. In Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked, hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Aaron and Miriam, they wanted Moses' job. They said, you know what? He's not the only guy that can hear from God. We can hear from God. We can prophesy. We can do all this thing. Hey, we can do this thing that Moses is doing. They became critical, right? And they became envious of authority. And the Lord heard this because it is the Lord who establishes authority. In Romans chapter 13, we learn that all authority on earth has been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against authority, the Bible says, is rebelling against God. So notice, church, notice how you talk about those in authority. Notice how you talk about your parents, how you talk about your supervisor, (laughs) how you talk about the president or the next future president of the United States. How you talk about authority, how you your attitude towards authority will tell you whether or not you've lost your appetite for God. And here's why. Because when you have an appetite, a hunger for God, you don't criticize those in authority. You pray for those in authority, whether you agree with them or not. (laughs) 
God said to Moses, he said, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will this wicked community grumble against me? They thought they were showing contempt to Moses. They thought they're grumbling against Moses. And God says, they're not grumbling against you, Moses. They're grumbling against me because I set you up here. So when we criticize authority, we're really criticizing God who has established authority. Another example is found in Numbers chapter 16. Korah, Datham, and Abiram, they all came from a tribe called Levi. They came from the lineage of Levi. Therefore, they were called the Levites, and they were chosen by God to do work in the tabernacle. Their specific assignment was when the tabernacle came down, the tent came down, and they were ready to move, they had to carry all the furnishings inside the tabernacle. And one day they said, you know what? It's not enough to be Levites. We want to be priests. We don't want the servant's job, the behind the scenes job of carrying the furniture out of the tabernacle. We want to be the men up front. We want to be the, the men who stand before the people and who are the priests and, and who represent, represent God to the people and the people to God. We want to be, we want to be what Aaron is. And so they rose up and there was this, this, this rebellion that took place. You see, in the kingdom, God never promotes those who want to be promoted. God never chooses people with ambition. In fact, he punishes prideful ambition. And if you read the story, Miriam, Miriam became leprous, the Bible says. And Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they were swallowed up in the earth. The earth opened up and they all fell in and the earth closed up and they were no more. God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. When we start criticizing and craving authority, we've lost our appetite for Jesus. Finally, some consequences of a lost appetite. And I got to tell you this morning, this is not good news. The consequences are not good news, but we need to know what they are. And they're devastating. The first consequence is you will wander in the desert for many, many years. In other words, God loves you. God has plans for you. God has promises for you. God has a beautiful future for you. But none of them happen. Because you're wandering in the desert. You've lost your appetite for God. You've lost your faith in him. But here's the good news. The Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So even if you've lost your appetite for God, God hasn't lost his appetite for you. Even though, even though you've lost your, your hunger for him, he still loves you. And he's not going to abandon you when you're wandering in the desert. He's not going to abandon you. In fact, the Bible says he'll provide every day for you. He'll direct you the pillar by, by the fire by night, the cloud by day. God forgave their grumbling and their complaining. All these wonderful things, but they never entered into the full life, the abundant life that Jesus talked about. They never gained the influence that he intended for them to have. The first consequence of a lost appetite, you'll wander in the desert. You just can't seem to get anywhere spiritually. The second consequence is you will loathe what you long for. Remember, they craved other food. Give us meat. Watch what happened. Numbers chapter 11, verse 18 says this. Tell the people. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. Watch this. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. 
You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five or ten or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord. Who is among you? And, and you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Sometimes God will give you what you ask for, but it, but it won't satisfy And he won't let it satisfy because he's the only one who can satisfy. So you may long for meat. You may long for this relationship. You may long for this kind of money. You may long for some type of thing or some kind of relationship. You may beg for it. You may wail for it. You may grumble and complain for it. And God might say, fine, you can have it. But you're going to loathe it. You're going to hate it. The very thing you lusted after, you now hate Because God wants you to know that it will never satisfy. It will never satisfy. Some of you have got what you want and you realize it's really not what you thought it was going to be. The the third consequence of a lost appetite is you will die for what you crave for. Watch this. Numbers chapter 11 verse 33. While the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed the anger of the lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague verse 34 therefore the place was named kibroth hatava because there they buried the people who had craved other food the place was named kibroth hatava because there they buried the people who had craved other food kibroth hatava means graves of craving Can I tell you this morning that what you crave will be your grave? So make sure what you're craving is worth dying for. What you crave will be your grave. The alcoholic craves alcohol and alcoholic becomes his grave. He may die of alcoholic poisoning. He may die from liver damage or somebody else may die as a result of his craving. His family, his relationships, his marriage. There may be death to relationships as a result. Why? Because what you crave will be your grave. The sex addict craves sex and their addiction takes them down to the grave. How many relationships are destroyed because of somebody's sexual addiction? The food addict craves food and because of because uh, and becomes his downfall. Did you know that the number one cause of death in America is cardiovascular disease? The number one death. It's the number one cause of death in America. Cardiovascular. You can take cancer, all the cancers combined, but cardiovascular disease is the number one. Heart, uh, heart attack, stroke, all of those things. And here's what the, here's what the uh, facts tell us. 90% of cardiovascular disease can be prevented. of those people don't have to die from cardiovascular disease. What's going on? What you crave will be your grave. If you crave Jesus, Jesus will be your grave. And that's good news. It was good news to Paul. It's good news to us. Paul craved Jesus. He said, I desire to depart from all of you. Why? So I can be with the Lord. He said, to live is Christ, wonderful, but to die is even gain. Why? Because I gain more of Christ. He said, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Listen, if I'm going to crave something, I want to crave Jesus. (laughs) 
Everybody lives and everybody dies. Why not live and die with Jesus? So as we close today, the question is, have you lost your appetite for Jesus? Do you have the symptoms we talked about here today? If you were to go to the doctor and you said, Doc, I don't feel well. He would say, well, how do you feel? Tell me the symptoms. Well, this, well, that. And here are the symptoms again. You're craving other food. You're craving for something. Uh, you're craving for something more than Jesus. You're grumbling and you're complaining. I've noticed this one of me lately. I've just been kind of short. You understand? Just get short with people. Nothing's right. Everything's incomplete and nobody can do anything right. I can't do anything right. I'm just grumbling. What's happened? I've lost my appetite for Jesus. Because when he fills you and he satisfies you, right? Everything's good. The house can be a mess. My hair can be a mess. All kinds of things can be going wrong. But I don't have to crumble and complain. Why? Because everything's right, right here. I'm satisfied. I'm full. And Jesus said, you would be if you come to me, if you believe me. Maybe you're looking back. You're looking back to Egypt. You're flirting with Egypt. Or maybe you're critical of those in authority or envious of those in authority. And you're jostling for position and leadership in some way. Maybe it's at work or church or whatever. You've lost your appetite. The good news is you can get your appetite back. And it's actually quite simple. In fact, anytime there's sin in our life, there's only one answer. And that's repent. It's a word that we don't use very often. We usually say, well, here's a good book. Here's a good counselor. Here's... Those things are wonderful, but you have to begin with repentance. And repentance is simply a change of mind. So if you want to get your appetite for Jesus back, what you have to do is you have to change your mind about Jesus first. You have to start thinking about Jesus differently. You have to read John 6.35 and really believe it. Why don't we put that scripture up one more time? I want you to see, this is, this is where repentance begins. It begins with, with changing how you think about Jesus and how you think about what he said. And you have to answer the question, is this true or not? And if it's true, then I'm going to act on this. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever, whoever comes, maybe the the solution is as simple as this. We need to come to Jesus more often. Oh, I came to him 20 years ago. That's wonderful. I came to him 30 years ago. Gotcha. I want to come to him every day, multiple times a day. I like to eat all day long. How about you? Right? Right? If we come to him, not just come, but we do what he says here, believes, believes in me, we'll never be thirsty. Sometimes we come, but we don't believe. We don't come expecting. We show up, we pray, we this, we that, but we don't really believe. We don't really come expecting, God, you're going to fill me today in such a way that I will be satisfied. You're going to fill me today in such a way that I'm not going to thirst again for something else. I'm not going to hunger again for something else. I believe this verse is true. I believe what Jesus said is true.
But my experience doesn't always line up with this verse. Sometimes I go away hungry. Sometimes I go away thirsty. So it must be that I'm not coming to the Jesus that Jesus says he is. I'm coming to a different Jesus. It's not really the Jesus, the son of God that we read about in John 6, 35. Are you with me? Did I lose you? So how many of you would say, you know what? I have a symptom. One of the four symptoms I have of a lost appetite for Jesus. And I want to repent today. Raise your hand nice and high. I have one of the symptoms of a lost appetite for Jesus. I've got my hand up too. I want it salt. I want more salt. I want more cheese. What if we went back to the original Jesus? (laughs) What if we went back to the original Jesus? What if the old thing became new every morning? I believe that can happen. If you rose, rose your hand, raise your hand. If you could stand to your feet with me today, I want to pray with you. Just stand to your feet where you're at. I'm just going to, we're going to repent. We're going to change the way we think about Jesus. We're going to confess that he's the only one that can cause us to never hunger again, cause us to thirst no more. Lord, I thank you for those standing, and I thank you that... Uh, Christ is enough for me. And we confess, God, that we have sinned. We confess that um, we've been grumbling. We've been complaining. We have been um, craving other food. We've been critical. God, we repent. We change our mind about Jesus. Jesus, we come to you believing today that you're going to fill what only you can fill. You're going to satisfy. Only you can satisfy. God, we don't want to crave meat. We don't want to loathe the very thing, hate the very thing we're craving. God, we don't want that. We want you, God. We want more of you today. So God, as we come to you, come to us. Let's sing this chorus as our prayer, as our confession today. In Jesus' name.